0: You Want It Darker by Ms. Chunks. Chapter 59 Hana Summary If this counts as Aizawa and Hitoshi getting a step ahead, they must have fallen two steps back along the way. Izawa is in the irregular position, at least for him. Of having a pretty girl on his arm. For someone with absolutely zero interest in the aesthetics of women, or anyone for that matter, after all Cricket is right there, Aizawa seems to end up in this situation more often than makes any damn sense. I want to do one last check of the scene before we take her down. Aizawa decides as he's saying it out loud. The cooperative weight of Hana bolstered on one arm as he shields his eyes from the nearing midday sun with the other. The girl is still under Hitoshi's mind control, but that's good. It makes her predictably calm, heartbeat a steady rhythm that Aizawa can just detect through her back. A strong jolt might wake Hana up and the shock would set in all over again, but for now it's a relief to know she's being stabilized even sheltered by Hitoshi's quirk. Even better, willingly so. Because Hitoshi was brave enough to ask for her consent and get it, securing an invitation for the vampire at the window of her mind. One creature to offer protection from a much worse monster. It gives Aizawa more and more confidence that Hitoshi will earn the legitimacy as a hero that he seeks, that he can alone That he alone can overturn the tide that marks him as a villain purely because of his quirk and can change the way society as a whole thinks about quirks like his. Hell, even quirks like Aizawa's. The most hostile reactions to his erasure quirk always come from the fear that it's taking something away, denying what's considered to be an inherent right of anyone born with a quirk, or the worry that it'll somehow become permanent terrified of what it's like to draw on a quirk only to find it's not there. Knowing that it's truly mental and what's happening isn't Aizawa truly erasing anyone's quirk, but using a form of mind control to suppress the user from activating their quirk for as long as Aizawa can hold the effect is a little less mystified and perhaps a little less intimidating as a result we will have to try explaining it sometime. See if the theory holds true. Cricks, can you take her? As Al wouldn't ask usually, because most things he's ever asked Cricket to do have been an excuse for the dirty redhead to do the exact opposite. But usual rules are off when they get caught up in actual hero stuff. And hopefully that still holds true. Aizawa takes a step back across the scratchy roof surface, on top of the warehouse. There are four stories pooled underneath them. A little more breeze at this height, but still stifling, and a little humid after last night's storm. When Aizawa carefully lets go, he finds that Hana can mostly stand up unaided. But, like anyone inebriated, she sways a little on her feet, like a stalk of grass in the wind. Cricket takes her by the elbow, as Aizawa takes a few more steps away, and Crix has plenty of experience propping up wasted people, Aizawa among them. Not so long ago, at least in the timeline of emotions, it was Hisashi asking his best friend to score off his drug dealer boyfriend for another one of his DJ gigs in not quite the early days, but certainly the earlier days. Aizawa used to point out, Cricket wasn't a drug dealer by trade, but given that Aizawa still got drugs off him, the point was pretty moot. At first Hitoshi looks out at first at first Hitoshi looks put out that Aizawa didn't pick him for the job of stabilizing Hana, who was bound by his quirk in the first place, and could probably stand stiff as a girder if Hitoshi wanted her to. But his mood lifts when Aizawa tasks him next. Can you call Sakachi and get him up to speed? Slightly more important than hanging on to a pretty girl. However much Hitoshi might be okay with the task in itself. Cricket's about as gay as Aizawa, which is very. So the likelihood of his having an opinion about propping Hana up compared to the next girl is slim to none. If anything, she's far too clean and attractive to merit anything but disdain from Crick's but that's neither here nor there. Aizawa is too clean for cricks these days, which is saying a lot. Sure. Hitoshi's being a particularly good puppy for once, and Aizawa almost reaches out to ruffle his hair, but spares him the indignity in front of Cricket. How much should I tell him? Just to get over here quickly and bring all the backup he's got. Aizawa supplies as he paces back around the roof structure they pulled Hana from, readying to duck in through the broken window Aizawa got them out through. If the doc and Shioko left recently, they might still be in the area. Okay. Hitoshi's already whipped his phone out. Caterpillar eyebrows knit in concentration as Aizawa ducks into the last known resting place of the deranged Dr. Shinso and his unstable prodigy. Perhaps not quite the prodigy the Doc was hoping for, if Shioko defied him over Hana, or so Aizawa's thoughts come to dwell on like a bird returning to roost. Hana's beautiful in the way that matches the Doc's shallow form of taste, which even someone like Aizawa can tell from comparing this ill-fated librarian to Kiki and even Awaya. Willowy and lovely. Classically beautiful features, if it's worth using such a tacky label. Not like Shioko, from what they can tell. And that's probably half the trouble. Aizawa scouts the room quickly and efficiently. Side to side and front to back, step after careful step. Taking in anything that could help him further develop the negative left behind by their traumatized witness. Find some more used contraceptives, of course. Confirmation of what happened after Shioko was successfully able to lure the doc away from another conquest. To keep satisfying her endless desire for the professor's straying attention, Aizawa's got all too good of an idea, unfortunately, as much as he'd like to bleach the recollection from his mind. In the inherent conflict of seeing killers as real people, rather than soulless monsters, Shioko's tortured humanity is never clearer than the stretch Aizawa has to make to understand why she might have spared Hana from being raped. Was it pure jealousy? Or did she retain some of the fire that she started with? A killer who turned on train molesters and courtroom champion for racist, rapists, making them into the grisly meat they treated women as, the way the doc treats them, as much as Shioko's blind adoration might be trying to compensate for. Did Shioko mean it when she said she'd kill Hana before the doc could get back to her? Yet, the girl was still alive, so perhaps it was just a bluff. If Shioko wanted Hana dead, Aizawa has no doubt that she would be already. So had something about a woman who attracted the nasty side of the male gaze saved her life? even among the company of monsters. Or maybe this was just a really fucked up kind of foreplay between killers of equal animosity. Aizawa can't consider anything out of the realm of possibility at this point, but having seen Shioko and the doc's form of intimacy, wonders if their alliance is even more fragile now than ever. Especially if the doc is trying to pick up other women right in front of Shioko, making her fight even kill, to retain his twisted pass on the professor's affection. Hitoshi and Kiki have given Aizawa plenty of grounds to understand what the doc thinks is love, so he shudders to think of what Shioko gets instead. It makes Aizawa sick to contemplate, but that sickness is the only thing that might put them ahead of the deadly duo. Not picking over their lukewarm leftovers, At least the Doc and Shioko didn't expect to be tailed here, or they'd have found Hana dead, and an obnoxious note to taunt them, no doubt. Azao would scream if he lets himself think about too hard, always being behind, even now. But he doesn't have time for screaming, so he just scours the loft and crawls back out when he's sure there's nothing left behind that'll help them move forward. Hitoshi has gotten off the phone with Sakachi by the time Aizawa comes back out, but perks but perks up as soon as his broken idol is in sight. Sakachi's on his way. He's bringing an ambulance and some backup. Hitoshi debriefs quickly, seeming about as keen as Aizawa is on being left alone with Cricket. So, not at all. Ugh. Can't believe you're still working with the pigs, Eraser. Cricket takes the opportunity to disparage, but Aizawa doesn't much care what Cricks thinks, because they've recycled this argument more times than the dog-eared boots on Cricket's feet have had owners. In fact, Aizawa's pretty sure he used to wear those boots before they became the property of the Junkyard King. As long as the pigs still work with me, Aizawa responds dryly giving Hana another look over. No blood leaking through her bandages, seemingly stable, apart from her transfixed state, and then glances at Hitoshi. Is she okay? We can check, Hitoshi offers freely, and it sparks in Aizawa's mind that Hitoshi doesn't have any more of a template for this than Aizawa does, because no one's ever given him a chance before. They shouldn't even be doing this now, but the state Hana is in now compared to how she might have been, had Hitoshi not intervened and willfully calmed her down, is somewhere between miles to oceans apart. Might as well, Aizawa muses, but at the same time takes the shortcut and uses his cork to erase Hitoshi's control, just to remind himself what it feels like. That singing ping-pong ball of energy that bounces back and forth between the battle of their quirks. Hitoshi doesn't like it, obviously, but that'll teach him to not see it coming. Hana blinks and takes a shaky breath, looking around like a baby that's been woken from a nap and doesn't remember what the world is anymore. But she doesn't have to wait long, because Hitoshi is there before any of them. You doing okay, Hana? Even though Hitoshi's only a teenager, and Hana must be in her 20s at least, he's a shade taller than her, and as with Yamaguchi, it's not necessarily easy to tell how old Hitoshi is at first glance. Especially not when he's making the eyes at someone, or using his quirk to do good, like a real hero should. So although her voice is as nervous as a field mouse cornered by a cat, and she trembles as she talks, Hana's unaltered words are sincere, reaching for Hitoshi's arm like a rock to hang on to. Yes, thank you. I... Aizawa actually senses it coming, knowing exactly what he'd want from Hitoshi in her position, too. Could you keep on what you're doing? I want you to... I understand. Hitoshi's warm and soothing as a sip of hot cocoa and this time, Cricket's watching very carefully. Now he knows what what he's seeing. Aizawa can feel the frequency change as the glove slips back on, and Hana's eyes actually shut this time, like Sleeping Beauty in reverse, being put to sleep for a hundred years until she's ready to be woken by a prince for happy ever after. If only. Then Hitoshi glances over at Aizawa, Who's watching him already and with the lift of an eyebrow delivers a cheeky some people can't get enough of me huh like he knows exactly who he's saying this to asawa hurriedly turns away from hitoshi like a dog that was just discovered in the room as a completely shredded roll the same room as a completely shredded roll of paper towels but this aversion only takes him slap bang into cricket's gaze which is if anything Even worse, I thought you said this one wasn't your boy toy, eraser. Cricket suggests in exactly the way it does not and should not be insinuated, but at least hearing it twisted so wildly puts Hitoshi out of joint, too. It's just in Cricket's nature to go anywhere and everywhere he shouldn't and Hitoshi stumbled right into that by agreeing to play up to the toy boy bit to begin with. Aizawa had tried to nip that in the bud, but Hitoshi wanted to act grown up, so now he gets to deal with the consequences. Not like... Hitoshi's flustered all at once, stumbling over his words. That... After throwing the comment out to begin with, He's suddenly keen to justify what it's not. A flush in his cheeks that could be from the sun, but probably isn't. He just... likes when I use my cork on him. Of course, has already speculated over whether Hitoshi's figured that much out from how compliant Izawa is under Hitoshi's control. But it's a little awkward to hear out loud. At least the way Cricket likes to phrase things. Thankfully, they're on a building Aizawa can conveniently throw himself off. Yeah. Cricket's eyes narrow in their perverse gaze. Because Aizawa's let Cricket do way too much stuff to him in their shared history to leave much to the imagination on this one. I can picture that. Forget himself. Aizawa is going to throw Cricket off the building. I'd rather you don't. Aizawa mumbles with his head ducked like he'll be able to retract into his capture weapon like a tortoise into its shell. And Cricket lets out a whooping cackle. Hitoshi's face twists into a puzzle knot of questions that he's pretty m- that he pretty much just needs time to fill in the answers for, but instead turns to Aizawa for the cheat sheet. What am I missing? Nothing. Aizawa takes the quirk-bound Hana as gently as he can by the arm, and bends down, carefully folding her over one shoulder, before he stands up and Fireman lifts her away like his life depends on it. Over here, Cricket. Stopping at the edge of the building, Aizawa waits while Cricket semi-obediently drifts in his direction. But Aizawa doesn't actually wait that long, before just whipping out a piece of his capture weapon to snatch Cricket in one end, then throws a loop around a protruding air vent that looks pretty secure, which only taking Cricket's weight will tell. Hey, wait just up! Cricket yelps as Aizawa tugs him off his feet to come lunging towards Aizawa, pulling up the slack with the one-handed tether he's made Cricket a counterweight at the end of. With nothing more than a mildly shit-eating grin, Azawa catches Cricket's weight with the sole of his boot, raised up to brace this pain-in-the-ass like a weird kind of shoe accessory. See you at the bottom, Cricks. Ezawa delivers with a diabolical grin that, for just a moment, feels exactly like old times. Then, swings with Cricket around and unhesitatingly kicks him off the edge of the building. Not if I see you first! Cricket wails on the way down. Aizawa throws his weight back and braces against the free-falling weight to ensure Crick's isn't flattened on the way down. merely takes a sharp drop with a cushioned stop before he's dumped down on the concrete at the bottom. This leaves Aizawa on the edge with Hana bolstered over his shoulder like a rolled-up rug, though she doesn't appear to have woken up through any of this exertion. The soft crunch of footsteps foretells Hitoshi's approach behind him, just the two of them again, if only for a moment. It's somehow the most horrifically predictable to alarming comment that Atoshi could ever make when he gets close enough to Aizawa and remarks So dating Mike is like seriously punching up for you. It's complicated. Aizawa lies, because he's barely got any face left. Why shouldn't he try to save one last scrap? At least when it comes to the alien part of his personality that could be filed under romantic history. Yeah, that's what they all say. Hitoshi replies like he's got enough of a read on cricket to realize exactly why it isn't that complicated. At least Aizawa had the chance to deal with Hitoshi's mind-blowing, he's gay, realization last night, before diving straight into all this but hell if the universe couldn't have given him a tiny bit more leeway. You okay getting down? Aizawa's genuinely asking, but if it just so happens to change the subject, fancy that. Of course. Hitoshi acts offended that Aizawa even asks, or like he realizes it's a paper-thin distraction tactic, too. Eyeing Aizawa sideways, he adds, Will you be okay with her? Tit for tat, Aizawa supposes it's only fair. As long as she doesn't wake up on the way down and freak out. Doesn't seem likely. Hitoshi answers with a lot more ease now that they're back to just being the two of them again. Cricket's destabilizing presence dumped at the bottom of Aizawa's capture weapon, which finally comes loose of its weight with a communicative tug. Aizawa's winding the slack back up as Satoshi thoughtfully continues. People are harder to shake out when they want to be there. It's only if I'm controlling them against their wishes that a little knock will break the hold easily. That makes sense. It feels natural to make conversation with Hitoshi about this, but Aizawa knows it's the first chance he's had to talk about his quirk this way, without prejudices, to a bona fide hero or whatever Aizawa passes as in that arena. Especially because technically they shouldn't be having this conversation at all, but technically went to hell a long time ago between them. It also makes sense for the way Dr. Shinzo is able to send all his followers so soundly to their deaths, even through the process he's just witnessed with Hitoshi, where stronger mind control is eased into in stages each submission more voluntary than the last. That Shinso effect is potent, so Aizawa needs to be as aware of it as well. Maybe even more so than Hitoshi is. Not that there should be anything to fear with Hitoshi, but the danger isn't necessarily to the people he's brainwashing. Kiki has said she's careful about who she allows close to Hitoshi, and it's definitely with good reason. You first. As Aizawa Aizawa instructs as he steadies Hana on his shoulder in anticipation of taking the quick way down. But whatever Hitoshi's doing to keep her still and perfectly braced, it's working like a charm. Hitoshi did say he'd be alright, but it's quite a large drop from the top of the warehouse. So because Hitoshi only has a single filched piece of Aizawa's capture weapon... Aizawa takes the spool wound up from yo-yoing cricket and hands it over. More strands give more support, but you have to manipulate them simultaneously to work effectively. Thanks. Hitoshi takes the offering with a manufactured cool, but Aizawa can feel the significance. Like he's handing over a little piece of himself after Hitoshi stole the first. See you down there, teach. Sakachi and his backup arrive in about the time it takes Aizawa to carefully abseil the height of the warehouse with a slip of a librarian over his shoulder, and then share exactly two guilt-slash-stress cigarettes with Cricket in an alleyway just off the main road. Which, by this point, Izawa could just accept he might as well have his own cigarette rather than tax a third of everyone he gives to Crick's. And yes... Hitoshi is definitely judging him even harder for continuing to share smokes with a mouth like crickets, in every sense of the word. But Aizawa is just doing what gets him through one moment to the next at this point. Hitoshi wakes Hana up just as Sakachi is parking, while Aizawa relents the last part of their second cigarette to Cricks with a knowing nod, then slips back around the corner onto the street. If Aizawa is not much mistaken, the detective's wearing the same shirt and suit trousers from yesterday, albeit with a few more creases in them. He's even ditched the coat for once in this muggy, sweated-out heat, but smiles in good humor with his sleeves rolled up as he approaches, looking just like a rumpled sketch of an overworked detective from a faded graphic novel. Hana, this is Detective Sakachi. Hitoshi introduces just as the confused awareness lights back up in her eyes, and Aizawa admires Hitoshi's tact to ease her in like this, where it doesn't necessarily need to be known by the police that Hitoshi illegally used his quirk at all on this civilian, as long as she doesn't bring it up herself. That much they'll leave to her discretion, because there's degrees between offering up the truth and neglecting to highlight it in the first instance. Some things can be left to their illicit little secret, fortune permitting. Uh, Ah. Hello. Even though Hitoshi's released the girl from his quirk, she's still a bit glassy-eyed. While she might have been aware on some level of what was happening until now, Aizawa knows it can be a little strange going back to riding without training wheels, after Hitoshi's steadying hold disappears. Not to mention what Shioko or the Doc's quirks might have done to her mind before Hitoshi got anywhere near her. You must have been through a lot, miss... Hamada. Oh. Hamada. Hitoshi is the one who answers, and although Sakachi flits a cautious look between Hana and Hitoshi, it's quick enough to slip past in a blink. Azawa's sure they can write it off as Hitoshi's budding heroic instincts, being protective of the damsel in distress. Sakachi knows all about that, after all. Ms. Hamada, I'd like to accompany you to the hospital, if that's all right. Sakachi certainly is staying close to these still living escapees of the killer's quirks. Azawa can understand it. It feels like he and the deck detective could use a little catch-up to trade notes when they get a spare minute, in case there's anything their parallel investigations could do to help each other. Yes, uh, of course. Hana functions okay on the surface, but she keeps looking back at Hitoshi like a lamb that wants to go back to its mother. And Aizawa sticks a mental flag in the moment to keep an eye on how much saturation Hitoshi's quirk has on a vulnerable mind. How it could be little too easy to get dependent on something after the structure of a brain has been altered to accept brainwashing quirks. Perhaps Hitoshi's touch is a delicate one, but after the sledgehammer of Shioko in the dock, who knows what it could be contributing to. No wonder Sakachi's staying close. Go ahead and get settled. I'll join you in a minute. Sakachi sends Hana off to the ambulance, parked up just behind his car, then turns to Aizawa once she's out of earshot. So what's the situation? If Cricket's still lurking around, he's not making it known. A few too many warrants against him for obstruction of justice to hang out with the police for the fun of it. That, and he hates them all. And hates Aizawa for cooperating with the so-called law in any capacity. The Doc and Shioka were here not too long ago, keeping Hana as their prisoner. They might still be in the area if they're planning something. Aizawa rolls out efficiently, grateful if Cricket's actually taken off. Not being around is about the kindest thing he can do for them at this point. There's way worse things he could do, and might still, if Aizawa doesn't keep an eye out. Seems like the doc wanted something a little more personal with the girl, but Shioko got in the way of it. Hana works at a library in the area. Hitoshi chips in with assurance that Aizawa is proud of, to see him so comfortable in his own right. Cricket's departure might help that too, removing the unstable element and returning to a work environment that's actually professional and not an insane playoff of personal politics ping pong. They took her ID and the keys to the place which means they might have gone there next. Sakachi nods and makes a note in his all-knowing pad looking around after like he's missing something. How's cricket? He knew one of Shioko's earlier victims. The place we found Hana in is a hideout Crix had been to through him. Aizawa explains, without mentioning where Cricket was or went. As Sakachi doesn't necessarily know he was still with them until two minutes ago. Aizawa doesn't need to give Crix any more fuel for his erasers a sellout hate fire. No, I mean, how is he? Sakachi asks more knowingly. Maybe like he means, where is he? But Aizao is not playing that game just yet. He'd like to move away from discussing cricket any more than he needs to be discussed. Which is, ideally, not at all. The same. Aizao answers, a little more stiffly. Hates me less than I thought. Good. Sakachi sounds like he thinks that means he can use Aizawa to get to cricket more often, which is a mistake if he's ever made one, but they can fight that battle when they get to it. Sakachi and Hitoshi both turn around to watch a police car with a couple of familiar occupants pull up, and Aizawa has the well-placed idea to check in with Hisashi. Nothing much, just a little in-joke turned habit that means he's actually still talking to his partner, compared to neurotically shutting him out. A text message that reads, Still alive. Starting the party without us? Tama opens fire, looking particularly resplendent in the sunshine, fur a glossy sheen that speaks to a refreshing night spent in someone else's bed. No, you're right on time. Sakachi greets Tamakawa and Yamaguchi as they walk up. Aizawa should have figured neither of them would be taking the day off, given the circumstances, but it's still a welcome surprise to see them both alive and kicking. We're not far from Shioko's former workplace. Aizawa picks out a thought that's been niggling at him like a loose thread in his mind, trying to connect the factors that seem unrelated if it weren't for one thing. The killers. So which do we check first? The office or the library? Hitoshi's asking Aizawa as much as Sakachi, or Sakachi as much as Aizawa, depending on perspective. But Aizawa doesn't mind dual mentoring from opposing sides of the law. Much. We should be able to cover both, Sakachi replies thoughtfully, even though he's taken himself out of the equation by going to the hospital with Hana, assuming that's still his plan. You two take one and Tom and Yamaguchi can check out the other. What library? Tama butts in. We recovered a victim who's still alive. She works at a public library around here and says the killers took her keys to get in. Iow explains in a quick aside, which is about the most of a "Hey, good morning, as they're ever likely to get. Because what? They want to take out a book? Tama mocks a little, but it's not mean. They're all a bit fresher in the morning, after respective nights of rest and relaxation. There are people at libraries. Hitoshi heads back with a cold streak. Her office is going to be closed on a Saturday, but a library would be open. Should have been, if Hana wasn't there to open it. Azawa points out, trying to take the compass reading on where they need to go to be ahead, not behind. You think they're looking for victims? Azawa adds to Hitoshi, who gives a restrained nod. What they want to do with them is the real question, Hitoshi replies. Shioko probably still has access to her office building, Tamakawa offers with his arms folded across his chest. Nice quiet place for a bit of murder. And a site for revenge. Bigger and better than Shioko dared to dream before. Azawa's course is set. I'm with Tama. If they're going for a dramatic gesture, they'd need somewhere to prepare. Tama looks like he'd purr with satisfaction, but sticks to a grin that shows just the tip of one of his canine teeth. Or maybe it ought to be feline. Yamaguchi can check the library alone, then meet up with us at Shioko's workplace. Tama declares, like he's got the authority of the detective he ought to be already. Aizawa catches the look between Sakachi and Tama like a spark of static. How are you planning to get there if the two of you split up? Sakachi might be testing Tama a little, but Aizawa supposes it's the way of the hierarchy, the old brigade assessing the metal of new blood. Easy, Tama replies with a hint of a rasp in his voice. I'll take your car. Sakachi makes a face for a moment, which is not sure if it's because Tama seems to know that Sakachi isn't planning to use it, or the thought of letting another cop drive his precious death trap. But isn't the detective going to need it? Yamaguchi pops up cheerily. He'll be riding with the pretty face in the back of the ambulance. Tama lays out with deadly accuracy, like a sniper taking headshots from afar. Then, to Sakachi's momentarily stunned expression, remarks, Or am I wrong to assume? Tables flipped. Tama's face couldn't say, Suck it, Sakachi, any harder if he signed it. Seems like the new blood is a good enough detective to give the old brigade a run for their money already. Aizawa can't help but smirk. That'd make sense, I suppose. Sakachi's a little hesitant, but of course he sees the logic. Digging a hand into his trouser pocket, it's with the agony of a mother leaving their child at preschool for the first time that the detective hands his car key over to Tamakawa. But if I find a single scratch on her, her? Thomas scoffs as he snatches the key off Sakachi. Don't tell me you named your car. We should get going, as Awa urges, before they can get to a catfight over who is or isn't driving whose inexplicably gendered car. Sakachi could look much about, happier about the lot he's left with, even though it's entirely his own choice but Aizawa's sure he's got a reason to stay close to the survivors, especially if Awaya has been working closely with the others. There's a good chance the site could find out things beyond what even Hitoshi can draw out of them, and Sakachi does seem to be rather... devoted to staying within the Ice Queen's radius. Aizawa doesn't blame him for that, either, regardless of what Sakachi's intentions are. You fellas better buckle in. Tama rasps with relish as he practically struts over to Sakachi's undercover muscle car. I've always wanted to take this baby for a spin. Sakachi looks like he could pass out, but with a steadying sigh, turns himself towards the ambulance and gets back to work. Yamaguchi goes with him, probably to find out exactly which library Hana works at, before she sets off on a decidedly lower-risk errand. Fair enough. Given what she went through with them all last night, it strikes Aizawa that Tom is looking out for his rookie partner in his own at arm's length way. Aizawa empathizes. However, realizing that Tom is already white knuckle driving, just got a Tokyo Drift upgrade, Aizawa's not sure he won't pass out when he gets into the car that Tom is already greedily revving the engine of. At least the steady, clawing edge of fear eating away at Aizawa is enough to keep him alert as Satoshi gets in the back and sure as shit buckles in. They're all aware of what Tom is like behind the wheel at this point. Because even though Cricket took a hike already, Aizawa's still got a bad feeling about all of this. When they make it to Shioko's office one utterly hair-raising drive later, Aizawa's bad feeling gets straight to work. That's after his fearful motion sickness has him clawing his way out of the car like he might barf. Tama squeals to a stop outside the legal office Shioko used to work for, taking full advantage of those quieter weekend roads around rush hour and partly just abusing his status as a cop a concealed siren and lights in Sakachi's car that let him get away with attempted murder of his passengers. Or so Aizawa's instincts tell him when he staggers away from the vehicle, taking harrowed deep breaths. Hitoshi's steadier on his feet and is first up to bat with a perplexed, What are those people doing? Aizawa notices the same cluster standing around the cordoned-off spot where Peep-Show-Pete as Cricket's so helpfully identified, was murdered by Shioko over a week ago. A second glance says they're looking up, and when Aizawa does too, he realizes why. Just along the edge of the roof of the building Shioko used to work at, before she snapped and traded her life in for a bloodbath, literally, a row of figures stand as still as statues. But they aren't statues. Again, Hitoshi reacts first, while Aizawa and Tama just stare in open-mouthed horror. Oh, shit. Glaring against the harsh sunlight that bakes unforgiving concrete like standing in an oven, shielding his eyes with a hand, Aizawa makes out at least 20 people, maybe more, of all shapes and sizes standing along the edge of the building. It isn't possible to make out any detail at the distance, a gap of maybe 15 floors or more. But they don't need a visual to confirm what power holds them there. Hitoshi turns to Aizawa, who winces away from the harsh light and blinks heavily, fumbling for his eye drops like a baby going for a bottle. But he doesn't give himself the relief, not now. Because Hitoshi's holding his gaze with horror that cuts to the bone. Of what's coming next now that they're just close enough behind the dock in shioko to be witnessing the crime in real time and not arriving too late if it's not too late already as Awa feels like throwing up all over again when he hears hitoshi say it out loud they're going to jump